from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by our secret identities. Instead, it's brought to you by Amazon's acclaimed crime series, Bosch. Bosch is back for a third season. For Detective Harry Bosch, solving crimes isn't a job, it's an obsession that can claim your soul. After the long search for his mother's killer leads him to a police cover-up, Bosch now finds himself implicated in the death of a serial killer he's investigating. Starring Titus Welliver as Bosch and based on the best-selling novels by Michael Connolly, stream season three now on Amazon Prime. This episode is also brought to you by Dark Matter. From the author of the Wayward Pines trilogy, Blake Crouch, comes a new sci-fi thriller called Dark Matter, which tells the story of Jason Dezen, a brilliant physicist who is abducted and knocked unconscious by a masked man. When Jason awakes, his life is radically different from the one he knew, and he's achieved something he's never even dreamed possible. But how did he get here? What happened to his old life? Jason's search for answers leads him on a strange journey and puts him in the crosshairs of a seemingly unbeatable foe. Pick up a copy of Dark Matter by Blake Crouch, now in paperback and available everywhere books are sold. Thinking Sideways. Brought the aliens. You must unlearn what you have learned. I don't know. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I am Devin, your host this week and every other third week. Every other third week? Every I don't think third, it's every other... Every third week. Every third week. Anyway. Because every other third week would be six weeks. These two yeah. doofuses are... 
Joe. And? Steve. And Hi. <laughs> hi. And um, this week we're going to talk about a mystery. It's a pretty interesting one. Yeah. And we're going a little off the rails. We're going oogie boogie. Going a little oogie boogie. And, you know, we're calling in a big old expert. Um, so this week we're going to talk about the Pluckley Ghosts, which is also the haunted village of Pluckley or however you want to talk about it. Pluckley in Kent. Pluckley in Kent, yes, in um, Kent in the UK. And this was a listener suggestion by a listener named Chris. Hey, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate um, that, buddy. Oh, we're going to talk to you in a minute, actually. And I will say that is I... Is that what the thumping in the, the closet is, Joe? Did you tie him up? You're not <laughs> supposed to tie up the guests anymore. We no, told no. you. That's, that's my ghost. Actually, I've been researching this one, and apparently my ghost here in my house, which mm-hmm. my house is over 90 years old, mm-hmm. I've got a ghost, and so I think my ghost is feeling a little jealous. Yeah, it's not great. No, no yeah. No. But I'll also say I had a little conversation with one of our mods on the mod team, and she said... I don't think you guys are going to do the Pluckley Ghosts, but I would be even more in love with you if you did. And so to oh. her, I say, you're welcome. Hey. Aha. Aha. That, that makes me happy that she's going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah, good. You guys ready to Yeah, let's talk about Pluckley. Let's talk okay. about the Pluckley Ghosts. Um, there are reported to be, well, I guess a quick overview of the case, and then we'll talk about Pluckley, and then we'll get into yeah. everything else. This whole thing really started. There are about 18 individual entities. Although, depending on where you go, some say 12. Some say some 16. Some say 14. Yeah. Some say 50. Yeah. I mean, it's it really varies, but there are up to 18 individual entities in Pluckley, as well as a mysterious mist and weird screaming in the night in the forest. Mm. So that's kind of the mystery here is what's causing all of this phenomena and if it's real or not. And we didn't really want to do this by ourselves. So since Chris suggested this, it turns out he is kind of an expert at this stuff. He's got a pretty good background in it. So On this story? On this story. He used to live... Uh, pretty what? close. Yeah, and he even today actually lives kind of close yeah. to Blackley. And we trust his judgment. And Don't make us look like idiots. <laughs> so we're going to let him introduce himself. Okay. Uh, well, I'm Christopher Ripley. I'm an architect and uh, author. Uh, I live in Kent in the UK, but I, I work all over. And uh, my background to this is that I used to live very nearby, and uh, I went to high school uh, in a town called Tenterden, which is very, very close to Pluckley. Um, and being that I'm from originally from Ashford, which is Pluckley's kind of on the way between Ashford and Tenterden, um, I've sort of traveled through it, um, visited it, drank in its pubs and all sorts of things over the years. So I, I've been there oh, hundreds of times. If you couldn't tell, uh, we talked to Chris by Skype. So apologies in advance for some of the quality of the interview. But we talked to him for a while. Got we talked to him good for stuff a really out of long it. time. Got mm-hmm. a lot of good stuff out of it. You're going to get to hear most of that. But I'm going to give you a quick little rundown before that happens. Mm-hmm. Pluckley is part of the Ashford district of Kent in England. Kent is like the southeast part of the country. Yeah, by the, the, by the channel. Between yeah. London and the channel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you don't know, I didn't. No, really. I don't know. I feel like I know a lot about the UK, and then I like look it up, and I'm like, oh, I actually had no idea about any of that. Oh, I know. Yeah. So Pluckley is a small village set up kind of along some lanes. I think... It's kind of scattered, actually, all over the place. Yeah. I would say it's kind of like a big old, like, almost wagon wheel type 
it's not an actual wagon wheel, but it's like a bunch of different offshoot Spokes. lanes. Yeah. yeah. That well, comprise you... it. And it's kind of just, I think you kind of think you're out of it and then suddenly you're still in it and it's just kind of a exactly. defined little village yeah, place. Yeah, if you go to Google Maps and Google Plot, you'll get this one corner of it. There's this one intersection where the Black Horse Pub is mm-hmm. and the main church. That's kind of like, and a few other things. And, but then... There's this other part that's about a mile and a half south where the railroad station is. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, and there's a pub there and a railroad station, some houses and a few things like that. But it's like there's all this countryside in between, but they're kind of considered the same town, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, so it's a little confusing. Chris did mention that he, he even thought that Pluckley was kind of an ill-defined, it's yeah. kind of up up to anybody's judgment where it starts and where it ends. To quote Joe, is it a wide spot in the road? Kind of. Well, it's actually it's several. Like several. Several, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> several wide spots in the road. Yeah, there's, and there's a, it's, there's a triangle, too, because like over to the west of, of, of the Darrington Arms Pub, there's yet another pub, the Blacksmith's Arms Pub. Which, again, it took me a while to find because... Uh, you think it's over. You think it's, yeah, you think it's like, this isn't in Pluckley. It's way, yeah. way outside, but it's no, there's still, still more Pluckley. Pluckley. Yeah, yeah. yeah, anyway. Yeah. But and maybe that's what attracts all the ghosts to this place. Maybe, In fact, yeah. there are no city limits. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. There's nothing keeping them in. Pluckley, for reference, has a population of just over 1,050 people total. Mm. Small. Living. Li- living. Yeah. And then the 18 dead, so. Okay. We're going to cut in and out of this interview that we did with Chris. Let's just go ahead and let him tell us what happened in Pluckley to kind of make it such a hotbed for paranormal, paranormal activity. activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. Um, it used to be in the Guinness Book of Records. I believe it's not in there anymore, but it was the most haunted place uh, in the UK. But taking your first point about the history, it has such a long history um, for such a small place. It's quite weird really. I mean, it, it's been a settlement um, since before the Romans. So there's been people living there uh, in, in the, the main part of the village uh, since then. Um, from then on, it sort of uh, became like a feudal system. So it had a, a family. Well, it was originally the Archbishop of Canterbury, but then it became the family, the Deering family, it sort of inherited the village and all of the houses, everything within the village, which was basically part of this family. And the Deering family, their sort of history... Uh, starts, I think, sort of around the uh, 11th century. And it sort of carries on all the way through um, to the 20th century, uh, mid-20th century. And the Deering family themselves are kind of like, uh, would have been celebrities of their era. They were uh, famous captains and and lieutenants uh, and members of parliament. So they were widely respected. They were widely known. um, And everybody in the village and everybody locally sort of within in the county of Kent uh, and wider, uh, would have been aware of the Deering family. And, of course, being that they were such a large family, lots of rumours, lots of gossip, you know, this isn't a, a 21st century invention, you know, people talking about others, all these kind of rumours and legends and things that sort of sprouted up from sort of their families um, doing and whatever. And then after the, fam- after the family, there's been quite a number of sort of relatively sad and tragic events events that have occurred from uh, obviously the the world war ii um and then sort of fires um uh, suicides and all sorts of things so a lot of that plays into um the legend i think of the village the the village was uh, did have the plague years ago and it suffered quite badly uh, a lot of people died from that so there's that sort of ties into the local myth 
Um, there's been uh, a number uh, of uh, sort of suicides and hangings and uh, sort of death and disease over the years. Um, there was um, uh, uh, the Luftwaffe dropped a, a bomb on Little Chart Church, which, mm. although Little Chart was just outside the boundaries of Pluckley, it was still part of the Deering Estate. Mm. Uh, so that happened in 1944. That was quite a tragic event. And then there was also uh, a mill uh, uh, that burnt down within the village um, around a similar sort of time. So without getting into too many details, there ha has been a very long association with sort of tragic events, um, deaths, uh, even possible murders, suicides. I know another interesting fact, which I'll explain a little later on, there is there is this kind of mist that appears, um, and locally it is known that there is a lot of car crashes that happen, mm. um, just geographically because of the area. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know working for a company years ago uh, that had a uh, an arm that did deliveries, and it delivered in Pluckley, and about two or three times every year they would have a, a car crash there. I, okay, so we, uh, we also asked Chris... Um about this thing that happens. When you Google Pluckley, there's a lot of talk about the Pluckley massacre, right? And I'm sure that if you've ever Googled Pluckley or, or done any research on it, you've seen this talk about this huge massacre that happened. And so we asked Chris, is there any validity to the, the massacre or when did that happen or anything like that? And this is what he had to say. No, yeah, no. That that is a recent Facebook hoax. And of course, uh, you know, it should be said that maybe there was a massacre because massacres can be metaphorical, like I mean, a political perhaps, massacre. Yeah, there's that, or maybe the Pluckley High School soccer team, you know, like slaughtered <laughs> some other team from a nearby village, and they yeah. call it the massacre. I don't know, think that Pluckley's large enough to have a soccer team. Yeah, they have a soccer team member. One. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you only need, like, what, 12 people to have a soccer team? They have 1,000 people. They that's, can have one. That's true. Okay. Yeah, all right. Fair yeah. enough. Okay. Or you can have, you could have, like... Um, I have no idea how many people are a soccer team. I made that up. I don't it's know. It's not 12. Just a bunch of guys running around, but it's like... Or girls. Uh, yeah, that, that's Women. That. People. Yeah. Humans. Uh, live uh, humans. Okay, so uh, we're way off track here. Okay. So we said that there were like 18 12 entities, to 18, 12 yeah. to 18, 12 yeah. to 18, an adolescent amount. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, and we, so we asked Chris, you know, who are, who are some of the more popular ones? What are the you know more reported sightings? And so um, here's what he said to us about that. Yeah, I, I think um, the, the most interesting one, which gets confused um, as being two different ghosts, is... Uh, a lady which some people call the gypsy lady and other people call her the watercress lady. That's the watercress lady. I know he cut out in the middle of it. Some have her as... I, I've spoken to people uh, that swear blind that they've seen her, particularly back in the Deering Arms pub again, uh, the hunting lodge as it was. Um, the, the, the local legend is that she um, would pick watercress down by the river um, and then sell it. Uh, there's a big, obviously, I don't know if you know too much about Kent, but it's called the Garden of England, and it produces a lot of produce that often is sold locally and is shipped up to London. Mm. Or, or at least it used to be traditionally. A lot of uh, fruit and veg comes from abroad now. So she would pick watercress in the sea, in the, in the river, sell it locally and it'd be shipped up, and then she would spend all of her money drinking gin. Uh, and she would... Sounds good, she, yeah. She, yeah, 
and she she lived under the bridge supposedly you know she was a poor lady she, and she survived just to, enough to to fund her drinking habit by all accounts and she was in the uh, Deering Arms pub one evening drinking her gin supposedly uh, she tripped or and fell towards the fire a spark came out of the fire and lit her an apron alive and then she just she just burnt to death oh um, that's that's the, that's the rumor yeah that that's the local legend uh, that's the one of all the ones probably that I've, I've heard of and people have spoke to me about, that's the one they've seen the most. And they usually see her either sort of loitering around near the bridge, uh, going out of the village, or they've seen her actually sitting in the Deering Arms pub drinking gin. And I know at least two people who swear blind that when they've seen her in the pub drinking, they just think it's a little old lady sitting in the corner drinking gin. That's crazy. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So are, are any other ones that are kind of interesting or you, you know, have heard people talk about a lot? The, the, there's people get them sometimes confused, but there's a, a red lady and a white lady. People have seen um, the, the white lady quite a bit. Um, she was supposedly, I think, a, a, a mistress of the Deering family um, that was a, a local girl in Pluckley and was sort of spurned. The, the red lady, I believe, was a uh, family member um, of the Deering family, again, that was buried in the St. Nicholas Church. I always thought it was quite funny that the church was called St. Nicholas, you know, named after Santa Claus, but mm-hmm. hey. Um, I, I have a question about the red lady. Now, I, I swear I saw somewhere that when she was buried, they put her in, like, several lead caskets or something, something crazy like that. Is, is Does that ring a bell? And is, Do you know anything about that? Yeah. Uh, that that's supposedly true. I believe there's been archaeological evidence to, to back that up that there is a lead line coffin in this crypt. I, nobody knows for sure why. Some say it was to preserve. She was meant to be very very good looking. So some say it was meant to be an air, air uh, an airtight seal to to preserve her looks. Others say that she was riddled with the plague. So I don't know. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, and then the other there's another couple that people see quite often um one is a, a highwayman that's near the screaming woods which we can talk about in a second oh we will um, about that yeah yeah <laughs> okay okay and the highwayman and the other one that gets confused with the highwayman is is a coach and horses and again i know at least one person who's seen the coach and horses and thought it wasn't an actual co- uh, coach and horses hmm. uh, until it literally evaporated in front of them hmm. So the highwayman, is, um, uh, yeah. the highwayman is on his horse when you see him, right? Yeah, he is. The highwayman lurks near the near the screaming woods. Uh, are you aware of what a highwayman was? I heard the story. Yeah, he got run through with a sword because he was being overtaken by a bunch of enemies and all that. Yeah, well, they they were basically. The, he, I mean, most highwaymen were just local thieves, like Dick Turpin and, and the like, with the black bandana, you know, um, your money or your life was their catchphrase, mm-hmm. and uh, he basically. Yeah, basically he had a run-in and um, was murdered somewhere near the Screaming Woods. Again, local legend, there's not a lot to sort of substantiate that one at all, uh, um, like most of these uh, legends. But uh, he's another one that with the Coach and Horses is seen, you know, fairly frequently, I would say. Now, just to circle back to that, the Watercress lady, um, I've also read that 
she burned to death on the bridge, maybe? I heard that she burned is... to death somewhere where she was drinking alcohol. She was trying to light a cigarette at the same time. And it must have been some high-octane alcohol because she spilled it on herself. And tore and herself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that I think that that was on the bridge because people say, and that's why you see her under the bridge because that's where she died. Or you see her sitting on the ledge of the bridge smoking a pipe. She really was my kind of lady, man. Uh, I you, would think, though, you would think that she would have learned her lesson about about smoking and drinking at the same time. Well, I guess she probably figures at this point, like, yeah, she, what she got to lose. Yeah, what's she going to do? Burn I'm to death ghost. again? Probably not. Probably. Ectoplasm yeah. doesn't burn. Yeah. So there's also a lot of activity around the Black Horse Inn, which Chris is familiar with. He's It's a pub now, and, and he, said, he told us a story about Halloween drinking there, but um, he didn't talk about paranormal activity there at all. But I will mention um, that one of my favorite shows, uh, <laughs> Ghost Thinking Hunters Sideways? International. Oh, those guys. I actually, I liked Ghost Hunters, like the early seasons. Ghost Hunter International is a little too... Staged? For me, yeah. A little a little too, like, uh, silly for me, I guess. Um, you like your ghost hunting serious? Well, I mean, the for those of you who aren't familiar with the show, this is not an actual plug for the show or anything, but... They did, at the least in the beginning of the Ghost Hunters series, try to take a really, similar to what we do, take a really skeptical approach to ghost hunting, where they would go in and literally try to, like, try anything they could think of to disprove or recreate any of the phenomena that people were experiencing. And then whatever was left over, they would say was paranormal. But one of them was always like, but that doesn't mean it's ghosts. It just means I can't explain it to you right now, which I appreciate. Yeah, okay. Anyway, this is a kind of spin-off iteration that the guys are a little more prone to believe in like anything that somebody tells them and it's kind of it's a little different. But Ghost Hunters International went to the Black Horse Inn and they said that it was haunted or at least that there was some paranormal activity there. The of course, two it's been around since like, you know, like a thousand years, right? It's yeah, it's an it's old building. Old. Yeah. And so you can imagine that some weird things happen there. Yeah, you would expect a little paranormal activity. For sure. Sounds fair. Yeah. The two main uh entities, I'll call them, are that are there are a little girl called Elizabeth and then the Baron, who's they always name as William and um you may or not have figured guessed this, but they're pretty sure it would have been William Deering. Mm-hmm. That Deering unknown family. family name. Yeah, yeah. The famous Deerings. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I and I'm not totally convinced about the proof that this show had to provide, though it is the most scientific investigation I have seen of the claims. Most times people just go and they're like, I feel a funny aura over here or something like that. Um so they did they brought their tools and you know, did recording and, and things like that. And they, their proof that they presented was some EMF activity. And EMF being what? Um, ele- electromagnetic field uh-uh. activity. The theory behind that is that uh, if a ghost, if some, some paranormal activity were manifesting, that it messes with the ag- electromagnetic field in a given area or that okay. entities can mess with the electromagnetic field, given that they are of kind of a different field. Mm. Does that make sense? I mean, it sort of doesn't make a lot of sense. Sort of, sort it makes of, some yeah. sense, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of science. If this is something that interests you and you somehow don't know about EMFs, go out and research. It's, it's, it's kind of fascinating, the 
science or pseudoscience, depending on what school of thought you're in behind it. This kind of actually makes me wonder, too, just as a scientific thing, is is, is it possible to tase a ghost? I mean, a gun is not going to have any effect on it, but maybe you can tase them. According to Ghostbusters, you can. Oh, can you really? What do you think they were doing? Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. It just has to be a kind of more sophisticated taser. Yeah. 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 Just don't cross the streams and you're fine. You're fine, uh, yeah. Okay. So this investigation also um, got what I personally think. I've heard some very convincing EVPs, and I will tell you what an EVP is in a second. I have heard some very convincing EVPs in my life uh, that leave me totally open-minded to the fact that that might be a real thing. This was not one of those. <laughs> this was um, something totally different. An EVP is an electronic voice phenomenon, which is basically you like set a recorder, a tape recorder or a voice recorder of some kind on like on a table in a room where you think it's haunted and you just have a conversation with nothing. You say, can you tell me your name? Can you tell me why you're so mad? Can you tell me about, you know, if you know their name, you say like, can you tell me, is your name William? Um, William, why are you so mad all the time? You know, why do you do this? Blah, blah, blah. Basically just, and then you leave a pause for an answer Mm -hmm. and then you play the tape back and sometimes there will be what sounds like responses from voices. In the semi-static background noises. Uh, Yeah. Like I said, I have heard a wide variety of convincing or not. Is, is this similar to that, that pseudoscience phenomena where they use the, the white noise, the, the static on the TV, and then when they play it back, they hear voices in it or well, see so that's, things in it? But that's, uh, and that's why I say is I've that, seen a wide variety because the one that they actually, similar. well, the one that they used in this one literally sounds like it's just static boosted up really loud. And there's like kind of a w- weird variance, so it sounds like maybe somebody's maybe possibly saying something. So it's not as good as in that Kevin Bacon movie. No, not as good. Uh, but I again, I have heard. So, I, I mean, not personally, I've not like been there, but I've heard on TV people play back some EVP recordings that are. It sounds like somebody's sitting right there talking, and it's on TV, so I can't vouch for. If they've faked it or they not, but probably have. Yeah. they probably have, but, um, I will say that the EVP recording that they, that this particular investigation caught at the black horse Inn did not convince me, uh. but it does also seem like a super spooky place. So, you know, there's that. Let's get back to Chris. Oh yeah. Hey Chris. He's been kind of waiting for a little bit. Sorry. We asked if he could tell us if he. If he had ever had any firsthand experiences in Pluckley or any anybody he knew had firsthand experiences, I mean, we already kind of heard that he knows some people that, like, you know, swear up and down that they've seen the Watercrest Lady in the bar. Um, although... Well, the Watercrest Lady isn't the one that hangs out in the bar. That's a different one, right? No, she's the one who hangs out in the bar, drinking gin. Oh, it is? Yeah. Yeah, she's, oh, okay. she's the gin lady. Okay, but isn't there somebody else that hangs out at the Daring Arms, or is that there's the Watercrest lady? There's a guy, too. I'm, there? I can't keep it all straight. No, I know. There's, yeah. many there's three yeah. pubs, and it seems like every one of them has a different ghost. They all yeah. do, yeah. Yeah, they all have a token ghost. Yeah. I hope. So let's let Chris tell us about the experiences. He had, he had three that he wanted to share with us. Okay, well, I've had three. Uh, okay. different things i'll start off with the, the the least interesting work my way up yeah the least interesting was i had a a, a girlfriend who was um only, only it was a, a short relationship but she was 
working as a barmaid in the Deering Arms. And every Wednesday, I remember this clearly, uh, it was her job to lock up. And it was recently, um, I say recently, it was back then, they had just changed the uh, law that you can stay open in a British pub if there's no objection up until midnight. Hmm. Yeah, it used to always be 11 o'clock, um, unless you lived, unless it was a city, and then you could be certain later. Anyway, uh, on this Wednesday when she had to lock up, so the Deering Arms is quite a large uh, pub. It's like an old guest house. It's got lots of rooms upstairs. It's got quite a few rooms downstairs. There's, it, it looks like Norman Bates's parlour. You know, there's loads of stuffed animals. There's a big log fire. Mm-hmm. It's creepy. And this is the one where this, this lady with the gin is supposedly drinks in. Okay. So anyway, every Wednesday, and this went on for quite a few weeks, she would ask me to come in around sort of half 10, 11 o'clock. She'd give me a drink, you know, Coca-Cola or whatever. And she wanted me to wait with her to lock it up, basically. So every Wednesday I used to go down there. And almost every Wednesday we would uh, – the locals would be gone home by now. They'd be drunk. So it'd be about half 11. We're start getting everything closed up, getting everything shut, all the doors, turn all the lights off. And then around midnight when we left, every, every single evening we would walk out to our cars. And there was this mist. And I touched on it earlier. This mist was always waist height. It was always really, really thick. I mean, it looked like the Thriller music video, you know, Michael Jackson? Yeah. Yeah. And and there was always this quiet stillness every time. So I think there's an environmental reason behind a lot of these legends. But that was my first sort of creepy experience was seeing this physical thick fog that was sort of waist height. And, you know... I haven't seen anything like that anywhere else in this country other than Buckley. Yeah. That sounds kind of fun, actually. You don't need to wear pants. That's, that's kind of <laughs> the upside of the whole thing. <laughs> Leave it to Joe to find okay, the real so, upside. Yeah, there's a silver line to every cloud or mist. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, next one. Second experience, um, which was incredibly weird, um, was about 10 years ago. And uh, me and my friend uh, Anthony were driving back from a, a party that had been in, um, in Tenterden, and we was using a shortcut, which sort of shortcut, not right through the village, but sort of skirted to the side of the village. And it's a well-known shortcut that a lot of us use when we live in Ashford and we're commuting to Tenterden, because there's sort of one road between Ashford and Tenterden that often gets congested. But as kind of force of habit, kind of quickness, we would always take the shortcut. It was a bit twisty and turny but you know you could put your foot down and we were going down this road it was about midnight we were both completely sober i will say that now i was driving and anthony had to be up reasonably early because he had this thing to do with his cars in the morning and we were driving down this road and this road is a lane so it's only a single carriage i mean it's very very small if you had if you met another car you'd have to slow right down and Either side of the lane is just fields, open, open fields for miles. Complete darkness, apart from the moonlight. And there's this couple, man and a woman, walking uh, sort of down this lane, uh, sort of towards us, facing us. And they look like, the, <laughs> the best way of describing them was they look like, uh, have you seen the movie Beetlejuice? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, at the end, where Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis are, are doing that marriage thing, and they're sort of slow. Bill just got the spell on them, and they're sort of getting decrepit and falling apart. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. They become all gaunt-looking. Yeah. 
So this couple are walking there. Their faces are like that. It looks like they've got heavy makeup on. Ew. And they're wearing these old-fashioned costumes that are all torn and dusty. And they look like something out of the sort of 17th century. And I turned to Anthony, and I, I'm quite, you know, I'm just, I've been at a party, or I'm still in a good mood. I'm like, dude, look at these two. I mean, they must have won the best fancy dress costume ever. Was it Halloween? Uh, it, it wasn't, no. It was sort of, it was winter, but it wasn't, it wasn't Halloween. So I, I says to uh, Anthony, you know, they, 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 could, they must have won some kind of fancy dress costume. I don't know how the hell they're walking in the middle of nowhere like this, dressed like that. And uh, he, he turned to me and he was like, dude, I, that, that's just terrifying. I, I just think that is the most scariest thing I've ever seen. And I was like, no, it's just two people in costumes. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's I think it was a Saturday night or a or Friday night or something. Well, there's one way to no, find no, no. out. That, that's if, you, just... if you step on the gas and drive through them, you either run them over or you pass right through them <laughs> like they're like they're a mist. Well, well, the thing is, just in case they were real, and because I, I, you know, Anthony's sensitivities, I turned the car around and drove back again. So we went past them, and I sort of slowed down looking at them, and they didn't look at us. They just carried on walking, and they, and they looked like literally like two people in fancy dress. We drove past them slightly around the corner, I turned the car around, I came back, and they had gone. Huh. <laughs> and to this day, we still argue over it. He says they're ghosts. I said that they probably just jumped in a ditch or they were really scared weren't. that we were yeah, something. Yeah, you were scared or something. Or either, they were scared. Either they were, or maybe they just weren't sure about your intentions and yeah. they decided to hide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But to this day, I don't know why those two people were walking down that road at that hour, dressed like they were. In the middle of nowhere, walking to God knows where. Yeah, that's um, weird. So, yeah. so I don't know. Creepy. That's a weird one. Yeah. And then the third weird one, which I still can't, um, I still can't explain. And you're welcome to laugh at me on this one if you haven't already been laughing all the way through this uh, <laughs> yeah. as we've been going along. <laughs> well, the third one is um, we were me and my father. This was about, I think this was sort of. Uh, oh, 1990s now, sort of mid-90s, late-90s. Uh, we were driving back from uh, the city of Brighton, and this, again, this was almost the exact same stretch of road, sort of two miles down it. Uh, we were driving back towards Ashford, and, and this creature ran out in front of us, and we slammed the brakes on. This was night time again, um, probably about winter, but probably about 7 or 8 o'clock in the evening. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, I remember it being very, very cold outside. And we slammed the brakes on, and it was what looked to me as a panther. Mm. And I looked at him, and I said, are we seeing the same thing here? And we were just both staring at this thing that was staring at us, standing in the middle of the road. And then he flashed his lights, and within a second, the thing just darted off into the forest, which was literally to the side of the road. Hmm. Is that a black so, panther, then? I, I, it was black. Um, its eyes sort of shone as we, as we, um, as our sort of uh, headlights uh, lit the thing up. And it was long. It was very close to the ground. I mean, I've, I've grown up with dogs. I, I, to this day, I've still got different um, sort of dogs. And I know people that have got sort of large dogs, sort of Alsatians and greyhounds and things like that. So I, I know what a dog is and, and what it isn't. But this thing, I don't know what it was. The closest thing I could tell you that it looked like was a panther. But as quick as I saw it, that stood there for one or two seconds, then darted off. I don't know. Well, hasn't there been in the UK for, God, a, a couple of decades now, 
a lot of talk of sightings of large cats. This that seems like something that I've read quite a few times. Yeah. Well, and for context, right? I mean, this in itself. Officially, there are not large cats there. Just you know, for clarification, right? Although there are actually, there's people around here that have large cats in their own private. They, you can some people can privately own large cats. But officially, in the uh, UK, but I don't know about the UK, not that's native. allowed. They're, they're up in Scotland. There's some native sort of bobcats, um, long-eared things that are quite rare. But officially, what happened? I mean, you could do a whole episode on big cats in the UK because it's a huge phenomenon over here. But officially, what happened was in the 70s, they brought a law out um, banning people from owning them unless they had a license, which meant they had to get a big pen and a big sanctuary to store their animals in. Because I think in the 60s. Some of the pop stars had things like leopards and tigers and things in their houses, and it became this giant fad to have exotic animals. I mean, going back to the Victorian times, I mean, I know one of my ancestors had a pet monkey. <laughs> you know, so it was the rules were yeah, the rules were very, very you know lax. But in the 70s, they brought this very hard rule in, and then a lot of people that did have these big, large animals. They either donated them to um, zoos and circuses, or and we know this for a fact, some of people did let their animals just go into the wild that is but not unheard of 40 years on right yeah. i mean yeah so, i don't know how yeah. long these things live for but probably not an additional yeah. 40 years but i you know i could be wrong well if there's more than one though they can propagate since maybe things are not unheard of i don't know that's why you could do and neuter i still uh, think it's weird that you would have seen <laughs> a, a creature like that that is a little weird super weird yeah oh. and it just happened to be on the outskirts of the Pluckley. Huh. Well, of course it was, yeah. Uh, so one thing that Chris didn't really talk about yet, but we wanted to ask him about, was the Screaming Woods, because you'll see yeah. a lot about the Screaming Woods, and he kind of just glossed right over it. So we asked him to talk more about the Screaming Woods. The Screaming Woods, there's not a, a, there's not a huge amount of information on them in as much as... There was supposedly a suicide that happened in the Screaming Woods. There's also, um, I haven't seen anywhere online, I haven't seen anywhere in any textbooks, but locals have told me that there was, um, back in sort of the Tudor era, there was a number of hangings in the woods when uh, the local courts in Ashford or uh, Tenterton maybe uh, got overrun with people that had done bad deeds and had to be hung. That they did use the screaming woods to, to hang some of these people, sort of you know thieves and murderers and things. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know if that's strictly true, but that's a, that's kind of the the legend that some of the locals have told me on that one. I also heard a story of a guy who like fell into a clay, like a pit of clay bricks or something like that. Have you heard that? Oh, the brickworks one. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that one. Wasn't that also in the woods? Yeah, that wasn't in the woods. That was in a uh, a mason's yard that sort of. Mm almost adjacent to the woods where they were making bricks and pots and different things out of clay. Supposedly a young apprentice um, was working and a, and a, a wall of clay pots and, and uh, uh, unused clay fell onto him and killed him. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of these ones that there's no sort of substantiation anywhere in any of the textbooks or any of the history books. It seems to be sort of word of mouth and things that found their way onto the internet. You know, that actually, that brings up a question for me, which is, of, of all of these ghosts that are there, how many of them are based on things that are just local stories and legends versus, 
you know, do you have, is it like a 50-50, these ones we know are real events, these ones we don't? Do you have a sense on that? Probably I'd say half, because a lot of the things that happened to the Deering family, being that they were quite a, a grandiose family, a lot of the events that happened in their lives through the generations, because they lived in the village for so long, is actually quite well documented. Things like mistresses, uh, you know, the, the, the partner dying, uh, illegitimate children, you know, the fire, for example, the windmill burning down, stuff like that. Um, there's quite a lot of those things that you can find facts on in the history books, in as much as they're factual, written at the time by by someone that's recording it. Whether you know, it's like all history, whether it's actually true or not, you don't really know. But a lot of those local legends, a lot of those ghosts, could be spawned from things that were happening because of this very famous family that were living there. And so, uh, in the town of Plockley, I assume you know some of the people there. Uh, are there partisans of a particular ghost or another? I mean, do people argue about which ghost is better? Or which ghost is more likely to be real based on the number of sightings, that kind of thing? Well, there always seems to be 50-50 in the village. 50% of the village um, don't want to talk about it, or they don't think any of it's true at all. They've never seen anything. They think it's all rubbish. And then the other 50%, usually the ones that are in the pubs, I will, I will say as well. <laughs> yeah, go figure. Are the ones that know all the legends. They've seen all of them. They know all of them. You know, And it's people like me that's kind of an outsider because I don't live in the village. Uh, it's people like me that are sort of picking through and looking at what people are saying and trying to put it all together. But, you know, it, it is a definitely a 50-50 split when it comes to the actual people that live there now. All right. So the three things we kind of have to tackle are the mist, the ghosts, and the screaming woods. Hmm. So, so that's, that's the theory section? Yeah, those are kind of the, I guess we have to talk about theories about what those might be. Okay. Right, so it will be theory section, but first I think we should probably take a little um, boo break. Boo Just, break. We gotta see the specter. Yeah. All right. See you soon. <laughs> this week, our sponsor has a mystery to share. Who invented the postage stamp? There are varying accounts of who invented the postage stamp. Uh, the, the creation of the stamp was part of an attempt to reform and improve the postal system in the UK, which in the early 19th century was in disarray and rife with corruption. Before the adhesive stamp, ink and hand stamps were used to frank the mail and confirm the payment of postage. The first adhesive postage stamp, commonly referred to as the Penny Black, was issued in the UK in 1840, but nobody knows who really made that stamp. What we do know is how easy it is to send things with stamps today. You can practically get anything on demand. So why are you still going to the post office and dealing with limited hours when you can get postage on demand with stamps.com? Anything you can do at the post office, you can do right from your desk with stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. We've used it. It's awesome. We love it. Right now, use promo code THINKING for this special offer. A four-week trial, including postage and a digital scale. So don't wait. Go to stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone in the top of the homepage and type in THINKING. That's stamps.com, code THINKING. Stamps.com, never go to the post office again, because remember, it took over 170 years for the stamp to resolve the issue of postage payment, and over 20 years ago, the internet solved the problem of standing in line. 
We're back. We've rematerialized. That was half-hearted. <laughs> That's about as good as she can do. That's all, that's all yeah, I can do. That was 100%. Rematerializing takes a lot of energy. I don't know if you know that. It was a, yeah, okay. <laughs> Did you guys hear that thump? What? I think it was a ghost. <gasps> it was your cat. No, oh, no, wait a minute. I hit the mic cord. Okay, never mind. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. So let's first let's talk about the mist. There it was again. <laughs> the mist, which is weird, mm. is not so weird. No. Mist, it just depends on local meteorological conditions. It does. Yeah. And actually, I found a agriculture journal. Did I say that word weird? Agriculture. Yeah. Agricultural? Agricultural journal. Yeah, like an almanac. Yeah. Uh, that was from 1843, so pretty new. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's fresh off the presses fresh right off the presses, Yeah, uh, And it actually outlined what that mist meant. It, like, apparently that mist serves to predict the weather for the next couple of days. Ah. But it's been around, I mean, I think it's just a normal phenomena. Mm-hmm. Well, well, mist and fog are created when a cold front encounters a warm air front and as long as one of them is laden with moisture it's it's likely that it will create a fog so based on the geography of the area it can funnel it into places and go and lo and behold they're near the channel so there's going to be cold air coming out of there mm-hmm. that's going to be moist so it makes total sense why they get missed all the time and i will yeah. say i do understand it's pretty it is kind of creepy if you're you know, coming out and it's this waist-high mist just constantly. Like, that's pretty creepy. And I don't have a good... I'm not a meteorologist. I don't understand weather well enough to understand if there's a reason for specifically placed mist like Air that. pressure. Yeah, Usually I, it's I, the air pressure. That would be my assumption. I mean, yeah, I've been in mist like where it's like, you know, kind of like, you know, knee-high. Yeah. Or, you know, you've been in mist like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've been. I've never been in exactly in waist-high. Well, but, you know. it, for me, it's not the the exact height. It's the frequency with which the mist appears at that height. Mm-hmm. Although, on the other hand, I will say that if it is every night that it's at that same height, I would just presume that it's some kind of geographical impact on... Geographical? Yeah. Yeah, geographical impact on the way that mist settles into that area. Well, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure that I know why nobody in Pluckley has been able to scientifically prove that it is just a difference in air temperature. Because at night, when you hold the, the one thermometer up in the air above your head, you can read it. But the one that you stick down in the mist, you can't read because mm, it's in the mist. So they can't figure point. it out. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. Plus, you're clutching them both in your hot little hands. So that doesn't help either. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. So, I mean, mist? No, I, the yeah. mist is, this is not the only place where this kind of stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Actually, I get mist at my house sometimes. Yeah. It's usually not waist high, but, you know, yeah. I do get it. It's mostly just because you don't clean those. Well, yeah. I mean, outside, not inside. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's his burning dinner. Got it. Okay. Well, what about, the, okay, so much for the mist. What about the screaming woods? Which, by the way, I like the screaming woods. I like I the sound like- of it. I like the Screaming Woods, too. Not the Deering Woods, the Screaming Woods. I have a theory about what's going on in the Screaming Woods. Yeah? It's what? foxes. Well, vixens. Mm. Female foxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you heard them call? Oh, yeah. They, they have a really disturbing cry. It's, it literally yeah. sounds like screaming. Yeah. Literally sounds like screaming. And guess what there are lots of down in, in Buckley? Kent's, yeah. yeah. Foxes. Lots of foxes. There you go. 
Okay, that settles that for the Screaming Woods. Well, no, that doesn't settle it for the Screaming Woods. Uh, because the foxes are not the only thing. There are a lot of things that it can be. In the modern era, I really have a feeling that it is locals screwing with tourists oh, and drunken oh, tourists yeah. having a heyday in the woods. Yeah. And high school kids yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, sure. One yeah. thing I will say is weird is I have I watched a couple documentaries of people walking through Pluckley Woods at night. Documentaries? They are technically documentaries. Documentaries, or is it ghost slash spook slash haunted hunters slash finders slash investigators TV shows? No, mostly just like people with like cameras going Okay, in. so not the guys with the reality crew following no. them. I mean, I watched yeah. the one. Right. Oh, I tried to watch a bunch of them. I, I watched the Ghost Hunters International, and then I just watched a bunch of footage that people, okay, individuals, uh, had just uploaded. Uh, and I, I will YouTube say... YouTube kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, YouTube stuff. And I, I will say, one thing I did notice about Pluckley is it does seem like the birds sing really late there. Like, birds don't usually sing in the middle of the night. No, nah, that's kind of weird. But there are birds singing... In the middle of the night, so I don't really know what's going on there. Oh, that could have been. Seems they, weird. It could have been they did it shot in the afternoon, but they didn't know how to use their camera. It's possible. Yeah, yeah people do, can sure. you can easily manipulate. Yeah. Your your video to make it look like it's super creepy and dark. And dark. Yeah. I mean, how many yeah. TV shows have we watched where they're out at night, but you can tell it's daylight, but they've turned the blue up really mm-hmm. high. Uh huh. It's, it's very totally obvious it's, what's going oh, on. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I will say that's a bit odd. It's I just the consistency with which that happens is kind of odd but um you know there's i don't think there's anything paranormal about birds singing in the middle of the night necessarily Mm -hmm. yeah um one one phenomena that i want to talk about a little bit is the phenomena of people shooting video while holding their their camera vertical instead of in, in portrait mode instead of in in landscape mode. I think that's an entire different episode. It is, but I just want to talk about how annoying I find that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think it is a, that's an episode in, in yeah. and of itself. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So be forewarned next week. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Listen, perfect. I have friends who were confused by the fact that they went from portrait to landscape back to portrait while shooting a continuous video with their phone. And it didn't auto rotate when they played it back. Like oh, really? People it's, it's mind boggling to some. Oh mm. yeah, that is my blog. It is. Yeah. Uh, so, are you, do you want to know anything more? Do you want to talk about the with the, the woods? Oh well, no, I'm done with okay, these with woods. The woods. No, no the, yeah, the woods are. I know they've been talked about. They've talked about other stands of woods that have been chopped down, but the, the, the screaming woods are still there. Correct. Yes. Okay. Good. The, the only okay. So I actually I have a question about the woods. Okay. That I didn't think to ask at the time when we were doing the interview. Okay. And I didn't really see it anywhere in my reading. Before the modern era, at what frequency were these screams heard in the woods? Was this a an hourly, a nightly, a monthly, or a yearly? I think it's an occasional kind of thing. Okay, yeah. which that's why I wanted to know, Devin. Are you? That's kind my of, understanding. As okay, well. I kind of had the same idea, which is why I'm inclined to, though Devin always says it's foxes, this time to agree that it's foxes. It is. Yeah. I think that if it it was happening like every day, I think the locals would have cut the woods down a long time ago. For sure. (laughs) Yeah. For sure they would have. Yeah. Or burned them. Yeah. Yeah. Probably more, yeah, burned them. Yeah. With pitchforks. So then the last one is ghosts. Yeah. 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 We've got all these ghosts. We've got the carriage. I like the carriage. Yeah. Yeah, The carriage is cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'd like to see that sometime. That would be damn creepy to run across that one. For sure, yeah. yeah. Or, or a highwayman. I mean, you know, anything that's out of place that you just see 
is kind of like what, but it's creepy. It's mm. weird. Now, the, the colonel, I'm not so sure about the uh, you know, how you would recognize that he was a colonel or not. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how you would either. Either. explain yeah. who the colonel is again. The colonel was the one that hung himself, right? Um, that was after World oh, War. in the woods. Yeah, mm-hmm. hung himself in the woods. Okay. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, well, I don't I don't have a good theory for what the ghosts could be except one. Okay. But it's not going to make a lot of people happy. What's well, that? I get okay, there's two, Okay, there's two theories actually. I guess I should I should be two fair. Two answers. Well, there's two answers. I mean, there is there is a possibility that they are real and that that's end of that theory, right? If they're real, then they're real. There's there needs no explanation. But if they're not real, why aren't they real? And one is actually, Chris talked about this a little bit, and we're just going to play a really quick clip of his in a minute. But it could all be a Victorian lie. Yeah. So let's listen to Chris talk about this for a second, and then we can keep talking about it. But the interesting thing um, in regards to the Victorian society was it, it was around that time when they had a train station built in the village. Uh, and not, not every village has a train station. I mean, that's quite rare, you know, as it goes for, for villages in Kent. And this train station was connected to London. So there is this idea that Victorian society um, within the newspapers and and, and periodicals of the time picked up on this local legend, picked up on the different things that were happening, kind of like sensationalized a lot of stuff in the Victorian era. And then that sort of intrigued visitors to come down from London and they could just come straight down on the train. So it kind of seems that there's an explosion in in a lot of this stuff around that time. Mm. Well, you know, you, 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 you know, it might be a Scooby-Doo conspiracy. You know, I would have got away with it for them damn meddling kids. Exactly. But if you look at the Deering's, uh, well, if you look at the Deering, um, um, uh, the Deering's, um, uh, when there was a, a census done, there were so many different uh, sort of trades and, and, and stores and outlets and things within the village trying to make a living. I mean, no less the watercress lady for heaven's sakes um so there, there may have been a village conspiracy with all these people selling and making stuff to bring wealthy londoners down you know uh-huh yeah so i mean that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty solid my, my my problem with this is that it's it's easy to say that that's what they were doing because that was what their obsession was but it, i feel like some of this was happening before and and i'll be very honest as usual I don't believe in this. I think that there's a lot of very simple answers going on. And I mean, because if, if this place was such a thin spot, such a magnet for people who died under bad circumstances to, to uh, materialize again or show back up as a ghost, why? Well, I mean, what makes it such a special place? It's like that, that one we talked to, gosh, this was Way back in the beginning, the the dog bridge, yeah. the bridge where the do- like people said, well, that was a thin spot. But yet nobody ever says what makes these things what they are. It's just, oh, well, I don't know. It must be a thin spot. Well, well you know, we don't understand that stuff. So, hey, who said it is? It's not. I, I mean, mean, didn't hey. you watch Fringe? Uh, yes. It, there was no real explanation for why there were those certain thin spots. But but thin spots is a total made-up term. I mean, it's like somebody yeah. said, there's a bunch of stuff going on here. I don't know why. I'm just going to say it's a thin spot. And we all follow that. Like, it just... I think a thin spot is a is a term for... It's like a placeholder term, right? Because I think there are a lot of people who are genuinely trying to do scientific research into paranormal stuff. Mm. Right. And 
we obviously don't understand. Like nobody knows what happens after death. Nobody knows if ghosts are real, like, re- like genuinely hundred percent knows, right? Mm-hmm. There are people good who point. believe deeply, but because we don't know, we don't have good evidence to back that up. We don't know what a thin spot might be. Right. So I think it's that kind of placeholder term where it's like, it's what we are referring to as a thin spot until we can figure out what it is because they don't know. It could be. And I know that yeah. like skeeves you out. Like you hate it when somebody says like, here's an explanation, but I don't know why, but it's a similar thing with, you know, before quantum physics was really kind of ex- expanded. Well, you know, let's see, let's look at it this way too. It could be that the actual concentration of ghosts, assuming that they're real, which I'm not coming down on one side or the other, it could be the concentration of the number of ghosts in Pluckley are actually no greater than anywhere else. But it could be because, let's not forget, people have been living in the same village for centuries. So pretty much most of the people in that village share a lot of genes. And so there might be, if you're a certain person who's a receiver, that which is said you can receive thoughts from other people, you'll probably be more likely to receive ghosts also. Alternately, and, since it is such a close-knit group of people and uh-huh. it's a smaller community, people may be more likely to actually talk about and believe the mm-hmm. people who are talking about their experiences, right? I mean, if you okay, living yeah, in it, Portland... It's, it's, a, it's a cultural... It's not a cultural taboo anymore. Well, to yeah. To talk about the, these things I mean, it's not see. even just a taboo. Like, okay, so... I guess to frame it, like, we're, we live in Portland. It's not, like, huge, but it's not tiny, right? And you go and you sit down at a bar, and there's this guy that you don't really know, and he starts talking about ghosts, right? Versus you live in a place you know everybody. You know most of the people. You have respect for them and their intelligence. You've known them their whole life. And they start telling you about how they saw a ghost. You're probably going to give it at least a little bit more pause. There's going to be a little bit more credit there than some random, like, Joe off the street. Ha, <laughs> Joe. Well, random dude off the street. No, you're, that's true. I mean, if you... Because you know, I, I, I know people, I, I know like, at least one person that I know who used to work in a bar that I used to frequent mm-hmm. who said there was a ghost there, and other people said there was a ghost there. And she told me a couple of stories that were truly kind of hinky. Although I can think of an explanation or two for them, but they were still kind of creepy as hell. And that's that's my yeah. problem with this is I feel like somebody told the story once, and yeah. other people are are retelling the story in their own version because something that they they noticed after the fact made them think that that thing wasn't there before and now it's there. But I mean, one of those oh, one of those silly ghost finder ghost facer shows that I was watching. The guy was in in this place, and he's, and he's talking into the camera, and it was, and this is how I feel about most people who say they have the encounters, because I don't find it to be genuine. I'm not saying that people are lying. This guy I do, is I watched him, and he's talking into the camera, and then he does this, this really dramatic pause, and he points Oh my gosh, did you see it? It was there. And he runs over and he's he's giving this such a deadpan, trying to sound sincere. I saw this thing happen here. And from the accountings that I've read, like the thing that he described wasn't in any of the lore. So he was literally making Guano up on the spot. What's your, where was this at? It was in this, it was in Pluckley. It was in one of the churches. Uh-huh. And so that's, that's why I have such a difficulty because you watch these things. You're like, ah, 
it's, it, it seems very clear that this is being made up for entertainment. And I feel like a lot of the times the entertainment value has gained so much steam, but has gone on so long that the joke and the gag stopped 200 years ago. That's fair. And yeah. everybody else is just telling the same thing, thinking that it was meant to be real. Well, That's I don't fair. think, yeah, I don't think that, uh, probably Plackley does not have actually did not have until fairly recently and more than its fair share of ghost stories because every place you go to the, somebody will say oh yeah there's a ghost, ghost here, yeah. and not necessarily taking it too too seriously but then there was a, a BBC personality named Desmond Carrington you guys may have heard of yeah who did both radio and TV for the BBC and uh, apparently he was like being interviewed for an article for the TV Times which is kind of like their version of the TV guide sometime in the 1950s and he was sort of from he's from Kent and I don't know how the topic came up, but he decided to, like, be, you know, Pluckley already had a ghost story or two, and he decided to just make up a bunch more mm-hmm. on this, and, and just basically that's what he did. He made up a lot of these characters on the spot, and, and that's one way they might have made their way sort of into the popular consciousness. So they weren't totally. in the written record before that? Yeah, they were not. I, I don't think there was much of a record, written record, really, of Pluckley's ghost. There were sort of vague fireside Oral tales. Oral tradition. You yeah. know, that kind of thing. Uh, somebody else wrote a book, uh, a guy named Francis Sanders in 1955 published, published a book called Pluckley Was My Playground. And, yeah, which uh, I think sold about two copies. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how many people are really interested in hearing about somebody's childhood in Pluckley. I know I'm not, but apparently he he recounted some of these stories too. But I looked for a copy online of Pluckley was my playground. Couldn't find one. Couldn't find it. Yeah. So I was not able to find out exactly how many ghosts he talked about. Yeah, that's about I, it. I uh, mean, I think it's it's an interesting story. I I don't know. I, I I don't know really where I fall. I, Urban legend. I feel like I fall more in the believing camp than than Steve for sure. Like all all the time. Oh yeah, I am I am holding down the entire camp on this other side. <laughs> yeah, but I also am not willing to totally discredit what people say they've said and experienced. So mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting one. I think it's worth a stop on our trip over to the UK sometime oh, sure. in the future. Yeah, in no, like that, five years. No, no, it'll be sooner than that, I'm sure. Actually, I just saw some great airfare rates. Okay, yeah, let's go. Great. Yeah, we'll go in the off season. So, uh, do you guys have anything else you want to contribute to this? I, I no, I think I've probably said my piece and more. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, enough said. Jeez, Steve. Okay. <laughs> um, so Steve's the worst. One last yeah. uh, little thing. Chris has a podcast. Actually, mm-hmm. there's two podcasts. And they are relevant to your interests, so we're going to let him tell you about them real quick. So I host, uh, I co-host the podcast ScareZone, which can be found at ScareZone.com. Uh, it's a podcast about Halloween Horror Nights, which is a, uh, a Halloween-themed event that happens at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, and in, uh, in Hollywood, California. Uh, I also write about that and do a lot of the history behind Universal Studios. You can look me up on Amazon. Uh, it's Christopher Ripley. I've got uh, five books at the moment. I'm working on my sixth at the moment. And then, now, we're going to wrap up. So Sweet. if you want to, if you live in Pluckley, if you are a ghost that yeah, lives in Pluckley, and you want to tell us your story. And are able to operate a computer. And, mm. yeah, or a mobile device. Or something. Or you yeah. can just, you know, think it really hard at us, I guess. I don't uh, know. You could actually just come over here and pay us a visit. But if you're an angry ghost, go don't visit, do that, please. visit Devin, not mm-hmm. me. No, visit Steve. Oh, that's I'm not going to understand that's their okay. accent. That's okay. 
Yeah, uh, me <laughs> you can you can communicate to us uh, via our email address. That email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail dot com. If you want to see some of the links to some of the research we did, um, you can find that online on our website, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast dot com. On that, you can also find links to our merch stores. Ooh. If you won't, and also um, on the sidebar, there's an episode list, which is a fully inclusive list of every single episode that we have done, every 200 plus episodes that we've done. That's right. So if you're wondering, if you're if you're thinking that you might write to us to suggest something, hey, maybe we've already done it. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, this is the best place to go. It yeah. is. Yeah. I actually use it all the time when people suggest stories. Yeah. Although I yeah. will say. Um, hopping over we do have a facebook and on the group one of our mods did a really cool thing and put a note that also was an all-inclusive list of our episodes so you can find that there um it, we've got a group and a page so you can like the page and follow the group right that's how that join, works. The, group. join the group yeah do, like that. do those two things like them all. um yeah. you can find us on twitter we're thinking sideways We've got a subreddit as well for those of you who are Redditors, and that is just thinking sideways. All that having been said, I think I'm just going to, I don't know, poof on out of here. Mm. Uh, like ghost puns, ghost puns, ghost puns. I've been spirited puns. away. Uh, I'm just going to say bye. Bye, guys. Boom. Uh,